0: Heavenly Father, we know that you want to bless us. The way how you blessed Jabez, he was asking for the blessing. Help us today to focus on your blessing and be ready to accept it. Of course, we need to pray for it. We need to ask and plead with you that we would all need to be blessed. So please come and bless us as we open your word. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen. The prayer of Jabez. It's a one sentence prayer. We need to learn something from him to pray short prayers. Sometimes we we are very good at long prayers but not as good as at At uh, short prayers, but this was a very focused prayer. So I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to First Chronicles, the first book of Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 4, and I'm reading verses 9 and 10. This is First Chronicles, chapter 4, and verses 9 and 10. It says... Now Jebus was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jebus, the name means he will cause pain. It's not a nice name, isn't it? And in verse 10, that's where we find his prayer. And Jebus called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory or border, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. I wish we could say all the time that God is granting us what we are requesting. Because it does not depend on God, it depends on us. This was a very short prayer. And what we can learn in these two verses is practically three, three things. Number one is he was more honorable than his brothers, although he caused pain, and that's why his mother said, "I bore him in pain." That's why I'm giving his giving this name to him, Chibas, the one who is causing pain or he is going to cause pain. Second thing is his disname, his name, Jebez, who is going to cause pain, but he has already caused pain to the mother. So he's causing more and more pain. And finally, the third thing we need to remember is that he was praying. He called on the God of Israel And he became a a prayer warrior. Would you like to become a prayer warrior? (laughs) And asking for God's blessing? Asking for a reversal of your history? Can you change your history? Can you change your name? Well, there are a few cases in the Bible when God changed somebody's name. Like Abram became Abraham. Jacob became Israel. Simon became Peter or Cephas. And so on we find examples in the Bible when God reversed something. So this man Jabez asked for at least four or five things. And there was somebody who Wrote a very good book. This is uh, a New York Times bestseller. The title is The Prayer of Jebus. And uh, the writer is Bruce H. Wilkinson. It was published 17 years ago in 2000. But to me, this is a very dear book because I inherited it from my father. And I I read it many, many times. I don't want to preach what is written. So don't be afraid. I, I will not plagiarize from this writer. I honor what he wrote. But God has given me a little different ideas. So I'd like to share those with you. And I decided that I might have a five or four part series on this prayer focusing on the blessing. That would be the topic for today. Then he said, enlarge my territory or my border. What does that mean? Was it kind of selfish request? Or what is behind this request? Then your hand would be with me, which is a key teaching in the Bible that God, God's hand is or are guiding us. And that uh, number four was that you would keep me from evil. I think this is about God's protection. Amen. And then finally he said that I may not cause pain. So try to imagine this man, he has the name Jabez, which means he will cause pain, and then he's praying. That I might not cause pain. So he wanted to reverse this, this fact which is included in his name. And sometimes I I'm wondering how to conduct our lives. Is it something which is predetermined by somebody else? Or can you go to a psychic? Ask her to reveal your future to you? Which is, is written in the stars somewhere. Or is, is, all, is, is your life predetermined by God, is there predestination? So there are lots of questions behind this short story, but I'd like to focus on blessing. What was his first request? Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Where do you find the first occurrence of God's blessings in the Bible? Well, we need to go back to the very first chapter, to be honest. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible and the very first chapter. And it says in verse 27 and 28, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God, what did he do? (coughs) Excuse me. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, after creating the first couple, the first thing, the very first thing was a blessing. So, that was God's original purpose to bless humanity. And blessing meant two things. Be fruitful and then have dominion. That contained the very first blessing of God. And of course we can say that there was sin. And there was the flood. And God had to destroy most of his creation But then there was a man whose name was changed by God. And interestingly enough, God made a promise to this man. So from chapter 1 of Genesis, let's jump to chapter 12. Where you you will find the following in verses 2 and 3. Five times the same word. Five times in two verses. Genesis chapter 12. And in verses 2 and 3, and God was talking to Abram. His name was still Abram. I will make you, verse 2, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Second time mentioning the term blessing. Then verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you. Third and fourth time. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessing after blessing, five times. Think about that. It's very condensed and very very much emphasized. There was a public declaration of the favored status of Abraham. And of course, it meant prosperity and success. He became a very rich man. He became a very successful man. So what does that really mean that God is blessing us? Well, I <clears throat> finally, after looking at, looking at some Bible verses, to be honest, in the Old Testament, you will find 600 times, just in the Old Testament, 600 times the term blessing. Blessing think about that if you take a concordance you can find out those those places but it's just overwhelming you cannot really read those Bible verses especially not in a, in a sermon of 30 35 minutes or so but I <clears throat> I chose three places two from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament where you will find the term blessing or to be blessed, just to indicate a little bit what is included in his request, Jabez's request. We are still in Genesis. Please turn a few pages to chapter 39. This is Genesis chapter, chapter 39, <clears throat> where you will find a story about a man whom we, we know very well, at least from a Bible story. His name is Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, and I'm reading verses 2 to 5. Genesis, Genesis 39, verses 2 to 5. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. What was his status? What did he do in Egypt? He was a, he was a Jew. What, what was he looking for in Egypt? Why did he move to Egypt? Well, we know the rest of the story that it was not his desire, it was not his will. He was sold by his own brothers as a slave, slave to a hated nation, whom they would consider a pagan nation, idol worshippers. They believed in many, many gods. And they believe that the Pharaoh is the son of the sun, the sun God. That was a pagan nation. And now he is a slave, a slave of this nation. But he did something. Well, the Lord did something for him. He, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, first thing was with him, even in his slavery. And he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And look at the next verse. Verse 3 says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So this this Egyptian discovered something just by watching or observing this man the slave and tried to imagine that a slave had no value they considered slaves as a piece of property that's all or a working animal not, not a human being. And this pagan man, who was a very high-ranked officer, a military officer, he said that something is, is happening to this man, my slave. I just bought him. He is my part of my property. And then he is prospering. Whatever I'm asking from him, what he is doing... There is always success behind. So Joseph found favor in his sight, meaning his master's sight, and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer, Of his house, that all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. What did God do? Blessed another person because he was a blessing to his master. So God was with Joseph and he made him a successful man. Whatever he touched, whatever he did, it was prosperous in his hands. So the blessing was overflowing. Have you ever thought about that the blessing can overflow? Could be more than enough. Sometimes we try to limit ourselves to certain measurements. But we should remember when it comes to blessing, there is no measurement. You cannot measure blessing. Blessing is something overflowing. And if you read the rest of the story, just one more verse. You know, it seems that the blessing was just extended and overflowing to everything. So the Lord, I'm going back to verse 5. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house that all that he had, the Lord, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So the blessing was not contained in the house. It was extended to the field. Whatever this man had plants, animals, instruments, people in his home, his house, his own family, maybe other slaves, they were all blessed. And that's the Bible uh, what, what is, is saying to us that God, the Lord, blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. Overflowing blessing. Think about Jabez. If you would bless me, indeed. Can you imagine that he was thinking of others? As well as of himself. It was not a selfish prayer. You bless me indeed. And I keep my blessing. To myself. No it was. An unselfish I believe. Prayer. He was asking for more blessing. Special blessing. That would overflow. Like. Like. It happened in the case of Joseph. Then I picked another Bible verse about blessing. If you go to Psalms, to the book of Psalms, we have 150 of them. If you go to the very first one, have you ever noticed what is the first word in the collection of 150 Psalms? What, what is the first word there? Isn't that blessing? Have you ever thought about that? That in the very first chapter of the of the Bible, there is already blessing. Then in the twelfth hmm. chapter of the same book, there is five times repeated blessing. And now, if you go to Psalms, and you just read the first one, it's a very short one, six verses. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit. In its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but I like a chef which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The very first Psalm, six verses. Blessed is the man, but there is an ethical principle behind his blessing. It's not unconditional blessing. That's the second thing we need to understand about blessing. One is that blessing will overflow if you receive it. Should. Second thing is that it must be a moral, ethical principle behind the blessing. What is that? We can notice something He walks not nor stands nor sits, walking, standing, sitting. Let's say you pass, you pass by a shoe shop and you look at the window, you saw some shoes, do you think you would have a chance to buy a shoe just by looking at those shoes? Maybe? Maybe not. Because you are passing by, you are just walking. What if you stand by those glasses? Spend some time standing there. And look looking at this shoe. This is just $35. The other is 150. I'm looking at this one, standing there. Do you have a little bit increased chance to buy the shoe, or buy a shoe? What if you go in the store, you sit down, and you try on one, two, three, maybe more. Do you have an increased chance to buy the shoe? or by issue? Well, this is a kind of, if you will, moral responsibility. Before making a decision, we are going through this process of walking, standing, sometimes sitting. And if you sit down somewhere and you feel comfortable, that might change your life. Would you agree? This is a moral, standard and moral principle that whenever you walk, then stop, then sit. You have an increased chance. Of getting involved in something. So this Bible passage. This Psalm Psalm number one. teaches, Teaches us that the result of principles or moral standards would result in blessing. And this man will be blessed. And he will be like a tree planted by the river. Will bring fruits. And and the leaves would not wither away. There would be a prosperous, fruitful plant. And so it says, the Lord, because the Lord, verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. And, of course, there's another hint about moral principles. It says in verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. So he understands the meaning of the law, which would not be a legalistic simply following the law, but the Bible says he meditates, He, he ponders day and night. And so he finds delight. He enjoys a gift of grace from the lawgiver. That's what my study Bible says. Because that person sees the lawgiver behind the law. And we need to understand this. Because we are not simply following a law. But we are following God's law. So we need to see the lawgiver who is giving the blessing? And that's, That blessing is behind every law given by the lawgiver. And then finally, I, I'd like to move to the very last book of the Bible. Sometimes I do this purposefully, I need to admit. Because <clears throat> you see, the Bible begins with the teaching about blessing. Do you think that the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, is about blessing? Or is this book about curses? Plagues? What do you think? What is more important in the book of Revelation? Curses and, and uh, destruction or blessings? Did you find any blessing in this book? One or two, maybe five, or more? Well, I found seven. Seven. (coughs) Believe me, there are seven blessings in the book of Revelation. Not only seven churches, or seven seals, or seven trumpets, or, or seven plagues, but there are seven blessings. If you want, you want to write them down, I can, I can give you all the references. But you can also ask Glenn to make a copy of this sermon for you on a CD, so you can listen if you want to. But I, I can give you very quickly. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> we have no time to read all these blessings, but just remember, seven blessings in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 14. There is no blessings between chapter 1 and 14, but 14, 13. So chapter 14, verse 13. Then chapter 16, verse 15. That was the third one. The fourth one is in chapter 19, verse 9. I'm going to read this one. (laughs) Then the fifth one is in chapter 20, verse 6. And finally, chapter 22, you will find two blessings, verse 7 and 14. So I'm, I'm just repeating it again very quickly. Chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 9. Chapter 20, verse 6. And 22, verses 7 and 14. Seven blessings in the very last book of the Bible. So the the Bible begins with blessing. And then it ends with more blessings. What do you think about that? So overflowing. (laughs) The blessing is overflowing. Overflowing. And please turn with me to Revelation 19. That's in the middle. We have seven blessings in Revelation. And I picked the fourth one. So you have three before, you have three after. But this is in the middle. Number four, 19 verse 9. It says, then he said to me, write... Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. What does that mean? Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? And what does it mean, a marriage supper? The term lamb, that occurs almost 30 times, I believe 27 times in the book of Revelation itself, the lamb. That's the symbolic name for Christ. And then the second thing we need to remember is the marriage supper of the lamb. There is is a picture of the wedding in the book of Revelation if you turn the pages just a couple of pages mm-hmm. chapter 21 it says now, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away Also, there was no more sea Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. That's the concept of the wedding. As a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven, saying, Behold the tabernacle of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. That's the wedding. That's the marriage supper. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which means eternal fellowship. No end. This is something would last forever and you know that's the best blessing God can give to us so we could spend a whole eternity with him have you ever been to a friend's home where you had a hard time to leave you kept talking you kept talking You went to the front door, you kept talking. You went to the front yard, (laughs) you kept talking. You were standing on the driveway for a long time talking. I remember it it happened to me. Um, Back in Hungary, when I I was visiting somebody, I had to take a bus to a small village. And I missed the bus on the way back home because the lady was talking to me at the door of her house then at her gate then on the street we kept talking and talking and talking because we enjoyed so much so i missed i missed the bus but the good thing in heaven we will not miss any bus or car or airplane Nothing because we had we will have no time. We'll be no time. This is something mind boggling. And our little brain that adjusted itself to time would not really comprehend what does it mean. You have no time. But Revelation is all about not having the trouble of time. So I'd like to close with this sentence. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb because they could stay with him forever. And that's my prayer. That we would all receive this final, eternal blessing. Blessing. A never-ending blessing, which is an eternal fellowship with the Lamb, with the Father, with the Spirit, and hopefully with one another. So may God bless all of us. Amen. Amen.